coming up on Smash That Glass. Do you not want to get me stuck between your teeth? A great big bag of buttons! And then we were dancing, and then we're roly-poly in, in the hallway. We all have cheese to celebrate, like the moon changing. Welcome to Smash That Glass, a celebration of women that get shit done in music, entertainment, pop culture and throughout history. I'm your host, Candy Machine, and I am joined by Acid Pearl. Woo! <laughs> Jupiter Storm. Woo! And Super Natty Cat. Win. Hello, how are we all? <laughs> good, yes. good. What have we been doing? What have we been doing since the last time I saw you? All that all those weeks ago. It has been weeks. Honestly, I can't believe we are all wearing the same time. clothing. Who? What are the I chances just, of that? What are the chances? I actually am going to show you my top, though, because it's got my dog on it. Oh, look at that. Sweet. I'm surprised, <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised you guys name? missed the Quality Street memo that I clearly got. <laughs> the quality Street. Oh! <laughs> oh, are you one of the toffees or the orange creams? I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm that... Yeah, I'm that nice, chewy... A nice chewy toffee. I hate that one though. But you're giving you're giving yourself a toffee off penny. On that. A toffee penny. Do you not want me? Do you not want to get me stuck between your teeth? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> what about a crunchy orange with the little bits in it? I was just like better. a fur- furry orange. I mean, I'll be what yeah. you want me to be as long as you take me out my wrapper. I'm oh God, no! Oh, God. Straight in, straight in, straight in. Although I noticed the other day, what was it? It's not Quality Street. What are those sweets that our customers Celebrations. Get? Celebrations. We had a meltdown at work and our customers are dead. They couldn't believe it. It's not funny because was... meltdowns actually affect me quite badly. So they have changed the wrappers of Celebrations. Yeah. I know you're, all, you're, in, you're in shock, <laughs> as I was. But it's confusing because now... I didn't think they were that offensive. I actually almost think I like them. I wasn't I wasn't mad. It's going to take me I some time. I didn't It's going to take me time to adjust, guys. <laughs> I just... No. What, what have they done to the wrappers? They've changed Are them. They and now they're just... Quality Street and changed it to paper. I know you can do like a pick and mix Quality Street as well now. But Quality Street is like the worst of the, the Christmas chocolate. No, I actually... Banana Do you know what I think... Celebrations are worse. No, how can you yeah, say that? Yeah, I don't say that. Celebrations are, celebrations are really cheap. Yeah, that's how, like that's how they read to me. We all agree, oh. miniature heroes are the best. Yes. They're the cheapest. Miniature no, the I think I like miniature a celebration. Because no, I like I, I like a Malteser and I like a Cadbury Caramel. No. no. If I'm going to someone's, someone's house and they're a bit classy, I expect a crystal Cadbury. bowl with either roses... Or quality streets. No, roses are the poshest. Oh. If someone comes are you from the nineteen thirties, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if someone comes around my house with a tub of celebrations, or worse, heroes, I'd say to them, <laughs> "Are we are we going down the social? Are we? Is that where we're heading after this? Are, are we colleagues? And it's a five a spend." And you just stuck a bow on the top. Don't of its take, take that back, like heroes. You got center. a twirl. Cabri caramel. I, have, I can have oh. that all year Cream round. Egg. Why Cream would I egg. have a miniature 
Why would I have a miniature of something that I could have all year round? I don't want a mini Twix. Because they're bite-sized, so you can eat four <laughs> times as many of them. <laughs> but if you can have a Twix on a Wednesday, you can have a twirl on a Tuesday, you can have some Maltesers at the weekend. Why would you want them in miniature form at Christmas? Give me the strawberry Ugh. in roses pack. No, absolutely. What about Give Gillian? Me quality streets. Gillian's surely Gillian, the, the poshest of chocolate. Gillian... Mm. Gillian's for your middle class family that shop at Sainsbury's. That's what Gillian's the is. The trouble with Gillian, they're not like... Nothing wrong with that. Just middle class families <laughs> who shop at Sainsbury's. They're not individually they wrapped, are they, Gillian's? So they're harder no. to... Gillian... Gillian's no. a bit like boring. There's no personality to a Gillian. It tastes... Have, you know, if someone gives me Gillian's, they do not know who I am. Me and Mofram Deer on my birthday weekend shared a nice little box. In, in bed together. I remember that. I forgot that Gillian's got... While we were watching got... about the Queen. I yes, forgot that Gillian's got uh, busted out. At what point did you put any of those in your mouth, acid, and say, ooh, oh, I love these. These are my favourite. I felt like I was eating them for the Queen, actually. Like, I felt like they're top tier to me. the Queen would eat. Yeah, like, I wouldn't... I wouldn't have changed... Like, I feel like they're the... Patriotic. You know, the higher-up right. shelf. That's yeah. what I think. If, and they're always yeah, nicer than you, they look, aren't they? But they they taste like... You have to like coffee to like them. Yeah, they're quite rich, aren't they? Yeah. Arlene. I just want a bag of buttons. Yeah, and a seahorse. A great big bag of buttons. The elusive seahorse. Is there a seahorse? Yeah, there is a seahorse. Yeah, that's the one I always want. It's all sea-based, isn't it, Gillian's? They're all shells. I cannot get on board with this. Christmas is all about doing this over a tub and making a quick decision and go, ooh, I'll go with that one. Ooh, I'll go with that one. Like, it's the, would you like a... A quality street and someone who's hosting leaning over you with the tub and having to stay there whilst you go, ooh. <laughs> and you've got to only take one, one of those. But you actually my want to take loves four. those. <laughs> and you end, you end up going through all of them. My mum loves those and I don't like them and they're always left in us. And you just sit there and that person's just stood there holding a bag of sweets. Just take when a else chocolate. In the year is someone stood there like a little butler holding quite a lot in our shop i just don't like that you have to get out like a glossary of what everything is like in case you get a fucking orange cream or something like what's this one it could be oh no it's that one you just you just it's a ritual you go through every year eventually you learn i still don't like and then when they change the packaging slightly you go oh that's weird for the past 10 years i've been reaching for a barrel they've changed the look of the barrel exactly it's really discombobulating when they change stuff and I just so you're, so you're, you're telling me you are a quality street girl. No, all that. no, for that I, I don't. <laughs> just, I just don't like to have to sniff my chocolate. So you agree? You think you're really pretty? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm fat, and that's why I eat chocolate. <laughs> how? Speaking of uh, which, how's the cheese bite season going? Oh, yeah. Happy cheese bites. As, t- as time of recording, so... <laughs> cheese bites have been out two, three weeks now. They've, they've been out since since last Wednesday. It's It'll be a week tomorrow they've been out. What is this? I don't know what this so, is. So McDonald's do uh, oh. these nacho cheese bites every year for six weeks around this about This is classic quality, quality thought, street I lazy. I thought this was a witch thing. I genuinely thought this was a witch thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Yes, every year for six weeks, there is nacho cheese wedges from McDonald's and they are liquid cheese 
in these little triangles with a bit of jalapeno in it, but nothing too spicy, and deep fried in these little triangles of loveliness. And I eat. I eat. <laughs> I'm obsessed with them. We had them I after have the Halloween my calendar. Party last year. I have a Google alert so I know what day they're coming out. When McDonald's announces it, usually through the sun, which I don't read apart from to find out my McDonald's uh, nacho cheese wedges release date. It is a time of year I get very excited about. And on day one, I will go in there and get two share boxes until I'm sick. I love I thought, it. I thought you were going to tell me that this cheese thing was like, like timings with the moon and stuff. It's a. I it's a it's so like, many oh, rituals. we all have cheese to celebrate. It's, like the moon changing. I anticipate but this season coming. I am lactose intolerant, so I end up having <laughs> to eat really healthy leading up to this, so that my stomach lining can take the six weeks of cheese. <gasps> cheese it hammering. It is quite. It is Fair quite play. a feat for me. Unfortunately. They've changed the ingredients this year and it's no longer a liquid cheese. It's kind oh. of almost like a jelly. Yeah. Oh. It's quite a solid cheese. It's not How runny anymore. They? It's not liquidy. It's not super hot. Because what you would do is you would you would bite into it and because it was a crispy on the outside, you bite into a liquid centre. It was like a caramel bar but with cheese. It's amazing. Oh. And then they've changed the ingredient and now the cheese is kind of a, a sort of soggy stodgy and it's either they're cooking it at a lower temperature or they've changed the ingredient to make it more of a solid than a liquid and i for one am incredibly furious it is bringing me back to the time where i found out santa wasn't real it is this <laughs> level of disappointment when you realize that just because you're enjoying something doesn't mean a company won't just fucking change the ingredient and that's right something them. for you let's do something how do you you figured out how many cheese bites you you ate last year, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> I'd love I to. Uh, no further questions, please. <laughs> <laughs> it was two share boxes, which are twenty cheese bites each, several times a week. It was forty, several times a week. Yeah, it was it was really bad. I think. I think um, Gadget and I sat down and worked it out, and I, I sat there and thought maybe I've got a problem. Like maybe this is this is this isn't just me overindulging in something I really enjoy. I think I maybe have a fixation on this. Like a compulsion <laughs> so to eat cheese I'm actually glad bites. that it was an, it became like a hyper fixation. Uh, so I have now learned that having recently been diagnosed as an adult with uh, ADD. Part of that is hyperfixation on certain things, like a food or a meal that you really like. And I think that's probably what that was. Maybe the cheese bites have never been good. Maybe it was all in my head. <laughs> 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 But yeah, I, the, the, they've changed the ingredients now. I'm, I'm not fond of it anymore. I've had them once or twice in the past week. Not much at all. The spell is broken. Maybe this is what Thank needed God, to happen. Because it was ruining my life. <laughs> Death by cheese bite. Um, what have I been fixated on food-wise in the past? I've got a bit of an addiction to blue... You have a Bloody Mary thing. I w no, that's alcoholism. <laughs> that's just any, any alcohol. That's not just Bloody Mary. Although we do have... So, yeah, I, I like a Bloody Mary, and I like to think I make a good Bloody Mary. So, you get the... So, the, the ingredients are, like, the tomato juice, 
and vodka and Worcester sauce. So fresh. Now, I like to spice this up a bit with a little bit of pickle juice. So you get the, you know, like a pickle jar and you chuck the pickle juice in. And then I throw in a pepperami, wide boy, if I'm feeling fancy. (laughs) Maybe a cocktail sausage, um, the good old celery as well. Um, oh, a little bit of horseradish as well. That's the magic ingredient. Oh. Tiny little bit of horseradish, pickle juice, Worcester sauce, spicy tomato juice, and then mostly vodka. So I'm really I'm proud of the, I'm proud of this recipe. And I hadn't seen Jupiter for a while. This was not long after <laughs> I came back from the states, I think. So I lived in America for about six months. And when I came back, I was like, I've got this great new recipe. I was taught it out there. Come round for breakfast or brunch or whatever it was, and I'll make you these Bloody Marys. So I, I, I went round, got all the ingredients and everything, like made it all fresh kind of thing. I was like an absolute wizard in the kitchen. And Jupiter came round and took a little sip, and God bless her, she tried. But I, I just saw the moment where she just went, <laughs> sort of in her mouth, but without opening it. And the, I think you had a bead of sweat, and I'm like, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong with it? <laughs> and, Jupiter and I said, think I turned to you and said it's too fresh it's just too fresh <laughs> <laughs> I personally think because again as you remember from last episode listeners I have this insatiable need to impress Candy because she's cool <laughs> it's not true <laughs> and if I don't enjoy the meaty breakfast alcoholic tomato drink that she provided for me. I'm not cool. <laughs> this is what all the cool people in LA are drinking. She's just come back from LA with all her rock star friends. <laughs> this is what they're drinking. If I can't handle a Bloody Mary, really, what am I? <laughs> but it was just, it was just, it was just too fresh. You tried so hard. It's just, th- there's you nothing. Really did. That was revolting. It's not revolting. You it's just too fresh for you. I will make anyone a bloody mary and I swear down they will say it's Please the best don't bloody mary. I won't make you one. <laughs> I understand your taste far too well. But it's there's nothing worse than something you don't like other than it being something alcoholic you don't like. Because that mm. sick factor just hits you so much harder and so much quicker. And it's like for example when have you ever drunk or decided to have like a tequila slammer or a Jaeger bomb when you're sober. You don't go straight into yeah. a, a slammer. No, you don't, do you, no. Candy? No, I don't want a drink. Comes back with two Jaeger bombs. Ta-da! <laughs> was, that, was that the Liverpool Tattoo, Liverpool convention? tattoo convention? So tell us about that one, because I can't quite remember because I'd had four Sambookers. Yeah, it just... And I was like, no, I won't drink. It's like the first night, let's be chill. And she just comes back with two Jaeger bombs. And she's like, oh, no, two each. <laughs> and then she goes and gets hers. And then we drink them. And then I, it just all turned to chaos, didn't it? And then I had tequila. And then we were dancing. And, and then, then we were roly in. And you tried to kind hallway. of get rid of... Yeah, roly polies. Oh, oh I smashed... I smashed one. my wine. I think I had a wine. I think you brought me a wine. I smashed it. Because we just got so drunk so fast. And then this woman was like brought me just another wine and like just just because she watched the whole before the first one had hit the floor though i think she had got yeah, she, she raced was in there she'd she raced to the bar came me. back and before it even hit the floor she was like here's your replacement wine like yeah, she was the she hero she was the hero of the day what an angel 
but not then, all heroes wear capes. That was not the end of that night because we decided to go back up to the bedroom. <laughs> we were sharing a hotel room. It's in this old hotel in Liverpool. This is our first hotel room together, by the way. The first this time you've been... First. I think it was like the first time you'd really been away kind of with a friend as well, wasn't it? More or less. That, and we didn't know in each other that In my adult life, yeah. In your adult life. It's we the, were quite new. That's what I mean. Yeah, I was, just, I was coming out of my very bad anxiety of not leaving my husband <laughs> it was it was a new friendship and it was quite a stressful weekend because it was a tattoo convention um so yeah we got hammered it's the adelphi hotel which is one of the oldest hotels like back in its day it would have been a really really grand mm. old hotel like glorious probably like but now shining. it's like the shining now it's all a little <laughs> bit run down and everything's a little bit spooky so we've been downstairs to this party which was an after party for all the tattooists and these parties tend to wrap up quite late, like about 3, 3.30. And also I would advise never to get tattooed at a tattoo convention, by the way, because <laughs> the uh, tattoo is to hang in. But that aside, I think we decided to go to bed probably about, was you it like half 12, one at a tattoo convention. <laughs> I know full well I have tattooed you at a tattoo convention. But that's because I was trying to do it for free for you, and that's the only way I could get around that. So we've we've gone to bed well, at about totally one o'clock. Point that out. I'm not like a scrounger who gets a totally free tattoo. No, I wanted I wanted to significantly give significantly discounted. Yeah, no, I wanted to give you a free tattoo. Um, so we we gone to bed about twelve thirty one ish, and get into bed. I'm like, no, I want to go back out. I was having a good time. There was somebody I fancy down there. So I get I, get, I put my shoes back on, put my heels back on, and when does that ever happen? Like you've Literally gone to bed. Never. I can't believe this this whole thing even happened. This is before we used to be like, no, don't go back out. Like, no. I, I went back out. So I'm like, was I was like, go for it. Go live your best life. I was shimmying down the stairs. I was ready. I was about to pull the bloke that I fancied. I get back down there and in the space of about 10 minutes, <laughs> the place had just absolutely cleared out. There was like one friend, <laughs> Debbie, crazy little Debbie, who my theory is she went out in 1982 <laughs> and she hasn't been home yet. She is still she wearing is the same brilliant. clothes. She is the party. She will just keep going. So it's just me and crazy little Debbie, who is one of my favourite people in the world. She's brilliant. Um, she's like, all right, do you want to stay out? And I'm like, no. I just Because the lights have gone on. Like, there's people sweeping up around her. So I, I guess I'll just go back to bed. So, because it's quite an old hotel and probably it's like 20, 30 quid a night. So it's it's not exactly the Ritz. Um, you get one kind of flat pillow each. <laughs> I get back, all the lights were off. I go to my bed, nice pillow has disappeared. I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm trying to like shuffle around. I was like, I must have dropped the pillow. It's like, I can't go to bed. I'm going to have to turn the light on. As the pearl's asleep, she's not going to notice. So I put the light on and apparently all hell breaks loose. She's got my extra, my <laughs> one pillow. She's piled them I up. I did. I'm like the princess of the pea. So I had to sort of like gently, <laughs> gently awaken her. I was like, can I have my pillow back, please? So she kind of like turned around and <laughs> gave my pillow. And then I went to bed, turned the light off, and all the hairs. And she started crying. <laughs> she was laid there in bed crying because I'd taken the pillow back. <laughs> in my in my defence, right? Because you said you didn't slam the lights on. I'm pretty sure you slammed the lights on. And you also said, I'm going out, I'm going to pull. That pillow to me was fair game. I you never said that. Should have used a bath towel. She wasn't expecting you to come back. Absolutely smashed. 
I don't think there even were any bath towels. There wasn't even a shower in the room, there was, was there? No, there was just a bath. I had to go to... There was oh, a, so weird. There was like um, a Tesco Express around the corner and I had to get a... There was no... Um, there was no sponge. There was no kind of mod cons in terms of shower gel or anything. So I had to go... And I think I ended up using like a det- laundry detergent or something in the end. In, <laughs> like a, like a washing up sponge. <laughs> yeah, and a washing up sponge just to wash myself in like three inches of water in the bath. It was not the greatest hotel experience. I actually haven't been back to the, that convention since. Or have we? Was but it was first? good. It's a no, fun you convention. Went back. I, didn't, I didn't go back. You went back. Is that the same time you went to Alton Towers on the final day? That is the same time. You decided it'd be really good if we went home by Alton Towers. <laughs> well, I mean, we were already up in the north anyway. So I thought on, on the on the Sunday, the tattoos start to wrap up reasonably early, probably about 3.30 to 4, you'll see it dying down. So I'm thinking, well, I'll wrap up by 4, and then 5.30 we'll be on the road, and it should probably only take about an hour or so. 6.30, 7.30, we'll be at Alton Towers. We'll be ready, you know, we'll have a bit of dinner there and we'll be fresh and ready the next morning. Wrong. So, <laughs> from this tattoo convention that we were already absolutely wiped out from, I don't know quite how we managed <laughs> f- to leave so late or for the journey to take so long. No. But we ended actually. up... I don't know if you've ever driven to Alton Towers, but it's round the Mulberry, but you have to drive through Woodland, like, you come off the motorway, you think, I'm nearly there. No, you're not nearly there. There's an hour and a half of pure hell of a drive to get to Alton Towers. There's, like, there's roads where only one ca- small car can get through with lines and lines of traffic coming each way. It's all wooded over. And I'm driving through this, and it's about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And it's <laughs> raining, and it's just the most disgusting drive. We see Hedwig, an actual owl. We absolutely see Hedwig. <laughs> And it's you just know things are going wrong. Like you're about to see someone jump out and murder you. So by some miracle, we make it to the Alton Towers Hotel, the Splash Landings one. But we had to stop at the gate because it was closed. Do you remember? Oh, that's right. We had and to we get like, Oh, should we in. play the game of what cars go to Alton Towers <laughs> to try and cheer ourselves up down this horrible, scary country road? No cars at that time of night are going to Alton Towers, by the Hedwig way, if you want to play that the game. only one. And so, we had to like, yeah, call in through the little intercom and be like, hello. So they let us in. We get to Splash Landings Hotel. None of the fountains are on. Nothing. It's just completely dead. So we're all pretty tired and cranky. I'm not because I'm in Alton Towers mode. And Which is like no candy you've ever seen before, by the way. Alton it's Towers like candy. It's like I taken her to Disney. It, it was wild. It's, it's something else. So that's good. So we finally get to Splash Landings and Acid just wants to go to bed. She's tired cranky gets in the shower so i'm like i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get in the mood and i'm gonna start playing this the theme tune to the smiler which, which is also obviously as you know about the smile and also i am super still anxious at this point about anything we do and i ruined my own fun by being like don't go to Alton Towers, like don't go on a theme park so i'm like joe i'm a little bit nervous about these rides so what does she do when i'm in the shower she turns the lights off and starts playing the smiler music, which is like, how, 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 how. <laughs> like, Joe, please, just let me have a shower. You were absolutely, to bed. absolutely over it. She came out and gave me just a look of thunder. You fucking <laughs> played the smiler music, you absolute <laughs> So we finally get into bed, what, what, probably about one o'clock in the morning. And in Splash Landings, they have a really nice breakfast buffet. But it's, full of, but it's full of kids. 
So you got to get there early. So I think, right, I'm going to set my alarm. 5.30 should be fine because then we can get down there at 6 and we'll get the pickings of the buffet. Bear in mind we're in Alton Towers. You know, like, the 5 a.m. alarm is normally because you got to get up, you got to get in the car, you got to travel there. We're literally here. <laughs> what are you playing at? I like a waffle. I like an Alton Towers waffle. I like to get on that. I like to get on the monorail. I like to get my favourite monorail. And I like to be situated in front of Alton Towers about three hours before it opens. So I can just like harangue. sat in the cold at about 7.30am with Joe going, I hope we get the jelly bean monorail. I hope we get it. What the fuck? Literally like an hour. And then guess what monorail we get? Not the jelly bean one. It was a strawberry one. And she almost wanted to be like, can we wait? And I was like, get on that bloody monorail. We'll get it to our towers. So, oh, oh I had God. the hair dryers going first thing in the morning as well. Oh, I, yeah, you did. Had them Both g- hair dryers. That's how I woke up, actually. Two hair dryers on the go. So we get to Orson Towers about two, like the actual park entrance, probably about two hours early. And the staff were already there. Like they were behind the gate. Oh, yeah. And I tend to not just like things, but love things. So I have to know everything about everything. And I was like, do you, do you know what? I really want to know. Like, when you work at Alton Towers, do you just work on one ride? Or do you swap around? Or do you get to, like, choose what ride you work on? Or, like, what's the crack? Because they wear, they wear outfits. Like, if you're working on the Smiley, you have to wear the Smiley outfit. So do they, do they do a shift and then change outfits? Do they t- take those outfit, outfits home and wash them? Do you get one when you allocate? Do you know what you're working? I, ju- I just have to know everything. And there was a staff member there. I was like, now's my chance. I'm going to find out. And Acid Pearl is like, Joe, just don't ask. Don't ask. He doesn't care. He's just a student. I asked that man everything about Alton Towers and he has never been so excited to answer those questions either. She literally couldn't have picked a better candidate. I couldn't believe it. I asked Mr. Alton Tower, apparently. He knew everything about everything. I was just absolutely in my element. So that two hours went really quick for me. So I'm, I'm sorry you wasted your morning, but for me it was just absolute brilliance. Loved it. I was just sat on a rock, just listening, like, <laughs> just let us in, mate. Absolutely loved it. So yeah, that was. Uh, has anyone else done anything of note in in this last couple of weeks when we haven't seen each other? Not once. I tell you what, I have been doing, and this is a shout out to Oodles. Oh God, he yes. put in the Discord about um, a card game. And it's a Marvel, it's called Marvel Snap. And I instantly looked at I bloody love a card game. And Candy tagged me and I'm like, I do love a card game. And then I looked at her and I was like, oh, it's going to be loads of like in-sale, you know, and like pay to win. I'm obsessed. I have dreamt about it for two nights since playing this game because I play it last week at night. <laughs> first thing in the morning. I like two nights now. I see these little cards. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> shuffling in front of you. <laughs> dancing I'm around obs- you as you close your eyes. I am obsessed. <laughs> So, yeah, thanks, Oodles. I'm also now obsessed with that. Can you not learn poker or something and make us some money? Because I don't want to work No, anymore. I don't. I can't, I can't be strategic. I have to just go with the cards. I, I think that's why I like card games most of the time. It's a bit of luck, isn't it? No, well, not always. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but please just make us some money because I'm over. All right. Yeah, I'm I'll over try. working, <laughs> to be quite honest. It's exhausting working 10 till 3 every day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Super Natty Cat, have you been doing anything fun before we move well, on? Well, I I took my cats to the vets yesterday. 
And you wouldn't think it would be that fun, but I took Monty and Oreo, the ragdoll cats, to the vets. And Oreo really showed me up. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, like if you go and watch, like, I don't know, your nephews or a kid, like a, a school play, like a school concert, and you've got that one that's like picking its nose and oh, scratching yeah. its ass, that <laughs> was Oreo. So Oreo can't take tablets. He can't take tablets. He's really good. He's really well behaved. 99% of the time but if you want to try and get a tablet in his mouth it will not work he turns into a demon so there's this young vet bless her she's obviously wet behind the ears she's new to her job and I was like look this cat I know he's really cuddly and really fat and really cute but as soon as you try and get a tablet in him he turns into devil and she's like no no it's fine it's fine so she's like just hold him hold him nice and gentle so I'm literally holding my cat I'm like this is gonna fucking work is it he's looking at me like nope so then she comes on with this massive syringe and I'm like oh syringe good idea so he's already had his his jab in the back of his neck and he was absolute babe through it she sat there took it I was like good one mate anyway this thing she like pushes it into his mouth and he's like and this thing flies across the room. Oh, she's like, fuck. And she was like, oh, we'll try that again. And I'm thinking, nope, this isn't going to work. So she comes in, does it again. Nope, exactly the same. Now it's all covered in spit and it's sticky. It's all across his face. Oh. So fuck, she was like, I'm going to have to get another nurse in. So I was like, oh, God. So then the other nurse comes in then and holds him down. They must have tried it about six or seven times. This cat is not taking this tablet. <laughs> To the point where he spags her and she has to hold a, a tea towel thing over her hand because he's cut it. Oh, no. And she's bleeding. Oh, I was like, no. So in the end, it just she just said, you're going to have to take it home and do it yourself. Oh, like, that's not, that ain't never hell. going down. <laughs> no. And during the sex, fucking quit that, Cobby, for me, to do it at home. That, yeah. Well, oh, that was for the emotional was it, was damage. Antibiotics? Emotional <laughs> damage. <laughs> emotional damage. Was it... Antibiotics, or was it something? No, else? it's just a wormer. Oh. Normally, I have to like, like break it up into little tiny pieces and go plop, and like pop it in one piece at a time in like eights or sixteenths. Like, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got a lovely, lovely vet who gives it to me straight. <laughs> and when I first brought my old cat to him, um, as long as it's gone, uh, he was very old. He wasn't eating much, and we were trying to get some antibiotics in his system because he had a terrible water infection, as old cats tend to do. And that was every day was a hassle to get this antibiotic down his throat until I went to my new vet, the one I've currently got, and said, this is this is impossible. I could barely get him to eat, let alone eat something with a tablet in it. And he then proceeded to tell me, oh, most antibiotics have like an injection yeah. um, ver- version. <sighs> so we'll just, we'll just inject the antibiotic in him and it'll be good for the next seven days. And I thought... Why do you bother sending us home with tablets? You, like, why do vets bother sending us home with tablets? Mm. Just stick it in them, and then I know yeah. it's done. At least like, with a dog, oh, you can just put it in a bit of cheese, cash. can't you? Or a cheese bite? Not, <laughs> no, not with Cash. Cash oh. has has none of that. He spits it out. Oh, you clever doggy. I did with mine actually just quickly like with mine I literally do the thing because I've got three of them now it works really well if you drop it on the floor because they're like oh my god we all have that <laughs> and then so they all get one but by me going whoops oh, oh I dropped it it's every time now <laughs> I love it yeah my cat's got an asbo at the vet I thought it was just in one off because he was nervous and now he does it every time now so yeah last time <laughs> he had to have the old tea towel on the head 
And I had to uh, hold his like little paws, tea towel on my head whilst he got the injection on the back of the neck. I was like, I'm so sorry. I thought it was just a one-off because he was always fine with the vet. And then one time he wasn't. He um, he sort of inhaled a dreamy, I think. And now he's got bad associations because he was sort of, he, he wasn't really choking. What had happened was it looked like he was choking. But you know when you accidentally swallow a crisp and you're just like, <coughs> for ages. Oh. He was just there, there hamming it up. Um so he has negative associations with the vet now. So, yeah, he's got an asbo, so I have to give him, like, calms and oh. stuff before he goes now. <laughs> Absolute little bugger. <laughs> anyway, on that hot take, do you have any women in history of note for us this week? Yes, I do. So thinking about how it was Halloween at time of recording recently... I wanted to think of a uh, a woman who used her knowledge inherited by her mother, her mother's mother, and all the women around her who put their knowledge together and acted as uh, medicine women for their villages. One person in particular I'm thinking of is Mrs. Hutton. So back in the 17th century... Uh, a patient presented with dropsy, which is a swelling of the body due to a heart condition. Uh, It's very uncomfortable, very, very painful, and essentially the person just swells and swells and swells. So this patient was presented to a Scottish doctor called Dr William Withery, who had tried various medications to treat this patient with no avail. This patient then goes to seek a second opinion from a local witch slash medicine woman who provided them with a potion containing 20 plus uh, plant ingredients and it worked. It worked. Incredible doctors of the day couldn't figure it out but this witch slash local medicine woman figured it out. When the doctor heard that his patient had been cured of dropsy he had to know how so he went to mrs hutton the witch slash medicine woman and asked her for a sample of her miracle tonic he then took it back and looked at it to see that the main ingredient was purple foxglove or uh, digitalis is its latin name this then went on to dr withering then went on to do a kind of rudimentary clinical trial of 163 patients where he used different varying doses of foxglove uh, with them all to see the best result in the one that got absorbed into the system most and in what quantities and found incredible results with it and now 200 years later uh, from the time of Mrs Hutton uh, a woman who was considered a witch uh, we now use a foxglove compound used in our uh, heart medication that has been um, you know it's approved and used in modern medicine um, so it's important to remember that a lot of our medicine a lot of our science comes from knowledge passed down from women to women who were the caregivers, who were the medicine women, who were those who had the understanding of the natural world around them, understanding of what worked, interpreted local myth and legends to uh, understand things at a time when illiteracy was really, really high. So it was a lot of um, rhymes and songs to remember ingredients, different potions, which could sound like spell casting. So 
thinking around Halloween and how much we think about witches, it's important to remember that a lot of the time those witches were incredibly important women in communities that kept other women safe and were often the foundation that our modern medicine has been built on. Mm. I think like the classic so cool. image of the cool. um, like a classic <clears throat> image of a witch as well is a woman with a broomstick with a cat. And actually, these were just sort of the really sort of sanitary women of back back in the day that knew that to keep a house clean would mean being healthy. So they they would be there with the broom cleaning everything out. They'd have a cat in there because they knew the cat would catch the mice and other pests and everything. So, you know, when you're thinking of a witch on a broomstick with a cat, it comes from these, these women that are just being super hygienic with the tools they had back in the day. Well, it's also important to remember a timeline in history as well that we had the witch scares across um, Europe it were particularly bad in Scotland, different parts of Europe and obviously over in America. They were bad in England as well, but nowhere near as bad, as violent as they were in Scotland. A lot of the time these women had knowledge passed down. They knew, like you said, have a cat, cats will chase out the mice, and mice bring in disease. Now, during the persecution of these witches and, and all the horror that came with that, it also was cats as well that were persecuted as they were perceived as all oh, these intelligent women who don't follow blindly with the church or um, have their own methods and spirituality of treating people and is not what the church want to be done. They also have cats. Mm. So this must be their devil, their, their devil compa- uh, uh, companions. Yeah. The cats were all killed out and there was a huge drop in the population of cats across Europe. And then the Black Plague came. Black Plague came. Because rats ran rife. We had no cats to chase them. And that's it it is considered that the persecution and the extermination of all the cats from the witch trials led to an abundance of rats to carry the diseases for the Black Mm. Death. Did you hear, this is like a slight a slight aside, but they were thinking at one point, I think around um, Chernobyl, or it was some area of high radiation, they were thinking of actually trying to breed cats that would glow in when they were sort of in contact with radiation. So I don't know whether it would be their eyes glowing or maybe they were sort of ball cats. But anyway, they were thinking maybe they could breed a fear of glowing cats so that if you saw a glowing cat, you knew that radiation was nearby. Like this, God's honest truth, they, there was some kind of theory that you could breed a, a cat that would glow when it was near radiation. <laughs> oh my God. That probably in theory sounds like a great idea, but anyone who has lost a cat and found them 10 miles away in a local village being fed by an old lady <laughs> will know that the cat will not stay local to the radiation area. The cat will travel. Absolutely. And oh, ultimately, it didn't work out. And you'll sit there going... I thought this was a safe so I just see the glowing cat. It's completely true. I can't tell true. if he's lost. It's or... completely true. So I just quickly Googled it. And it says, uh, in 1984, writer Francois Bastide and semiotician Pablo Fabri suggested the answer could lie in breeding animals that react with discoloration of the skin when exposed to radiation. Mm. And uh, their role would be a detector of radiation that would be anchored in cultural tradition by introducing a suitable name such as Ray Cat. So in short, cats that turn green, for example, when near radioactive material. Oh, I want a little Ray uh, <laughs> it, was, it was said to be a, a, a legend, but it's actually gained fresh traction in 2015. It's called the Ray Cat Solution. 
Um, and yeah, they said uh, they could engineer cats to glow using enzyme interaction. But uh, yeah, so that is very, very true. Well, we all learned something today. Anyway, <laughs> before we move on to the main topic, as is tradition on these things, I'm just going to quickly talk about how you can help support us if you feel so inclined. So Smash That Glass is a Modern Escapism Network production. We currently have a lineup of four regular podcasts, which includes our main show, Modern Escapism, a live DMD playthrough podcast through Dragon's Dream of Scorched Sheep, Deep Dive Lounge, a bite-sized podcast where host Oodles ask people of note the same 10 questions every month. And that's just a really fun one to listen to when you're on your way to work or something. You know, half an hour is all it takes. If you head over to modernescapism.co.uk, you'll find all of our social links and contact details and our wonderful, wonderful Discord. And we spoke about it last episode, but everyone on the Discord is just so lovely and so welcoming. And we have a good old chat and we have a good old debate every now and again. And we even have a little gallery where we show off our creative endeavours as well. So that's where I tend to hang out. So for just £7.50 a month, plus VAT, you'll find all four of our podcasts, plus any specials, ad-free, a few days early, and in our case, completely uncensored, as part of the Biggie Bundle on Patreon. That's at least 11 podcasts a month, and possibly more, depending on the amount of specials we do. And if you're our new listener today, I I really urge you to check out our sister podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you normally find your podcast, basically. So anyway, on with the show. And this week, I brought somebody for the for my main topic. Um, actually, that's a lie. I've brought two people. Um, one person I do just want to quickly mention is Angela Browder. And she's the studio director at Bethesda Game Studios. So she's been working at Bethesda in various roles for the best part of 18 years. She started as a game tester on The Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Um, and then became a associate producer on Fallout 3. After that, she became a fully-fledged producer on Skyrim and then Fallout 4 become, before becoming a lead producer on the Fallout 4 DLCs. Um, following that, she became a senior producer on Fallout 76 before finally becoming the studio director. Um, and she's currently working on Starfield, which I'm really, really excited for. I've been absolutely buzzing for this for years. There's definitely this core group who's been working together for decades and knows how to make a BGS game. And then there's this you know, new generation of game developers who are coming in and working at BGS who grew up on those games those people made. For some people, those are the games that got them to go into the industry in the first place. And what I love about that is those people come in and they love the worlds too, and they want to stay true to those worlds that they grew up on. And so we're still able to maintain what a BGS game is, but continue to evolve. And I imagine the studio director, I think it's it's basically more or less a second hand, second in command to Todd Howard himself. Um, and the, re the, the only reason she isn't my main choice is there's actually very little to be found about her online. Like she hasn't got a Twitter, she's got nothing. Well, like, all I'm relying on is the um, the Fallout fan pages and the Elder Scrolls fan pages. Um, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention somebody from Bethesda, because as you all know, I'm an absolute Bethesda fangirl, completely unashamedly. But the main person I want to talk about is a horror director. And she's a director, screenwriter, producer and an actress. And her name's Anna Lily Armapore. And the reason I found out about or became aware of her was um, the recent Cabinet of Curiosities series on Netflix. 
Has anyone been watching it? I have just mm-hmm. started it. Yeah, so Last it's episode down. So it's created by Guillermo del Toro, and it's an anthology of eight um, eight episodes of um, various kind of mini horror short stories. So the reason I actually became aware of her was she directed uh, my favourite episode of Cabinet of Curiosities. And it's an episode where um, a lady is being sold skin cream through her TV and the skin cream kind of takes on a bit of a life of itself. So, yeah, the the best part of this show, or what I find really charming, is that he, is Guillermo de Toro actually introduces every episode as if, like, like Hitchcock used to. So he tells you the name of the director, he tells you what the story is based on, and this name cropped up, and it was Anna Lily Armapour. I was like, I think I've heard of that name. And I don't know if you've heard of a film called um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's It was her debut film and it was really really highly acclaimed and it's basically it's um it's filmed in black and white and really really rich really really dark blacks really light lights and it's filmed entirely in persian she's um i believe she's it says she's born in england and then she's moved to the states but i think she might be of of persian descent but anyway this this film is filmed entirely in, in persian and it's the best way to describe it is a kind of, it's almost like a vampire spaghetti western. And I can't describe it any more accurately than that. But it's, the main character, this this vampire girl, she wears a um, a hijab. You know, the, um, the Persian kind of headwear. And she flaps that around rather than like the classic vampire cape. It's really cool. It's, um, there's very little actual... Um, there's not that much talking in it. And the reason for that, uh, Anna Lily Armapur says that she's actually, she's hard of hearing herself. She's only got 30%, um, I think she's got 30% of hearing loss. So all of her films, they're not very dialogue heavy at all. It's all really, really stylized. Another film that she's done is um, The Bad Batch. And it's not the Star Wars one. It's the version with Jason Momoa. Did anyone see that? No. So it's kind of a... It's almost like a sort of Mad Max steampunk type film. And again, there's not that much dialogue, but it's got... Who else has it got? It's got Jim oh. Carrey in it and it's got Keanu Reeves in it. But they've all got such wow. small parts and they all look so unrecognisable, you would just never know. But the the style that she makes films are so recognisable. I mean, they're quite grisly. Like I said, she's a horror director. But it's just such a lovely style and... There's a certain, the, the best way to describe, I think, if, if, any, if you've ever seen Let the Right One In, which was a Swedish vampire yes. film, it's, you could almost kind of compare A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night to that, but they're all very uh, f- feminine heavy, like the lead characters will always be strong women, or certainly in the, the things that I've seen that she's met, so just to, that she's made, sorry. So just to talk about her early life, um, she was born in Margate, England. She moved to Miami when she was young and then settled in California, where she went to high school. Uh, she began studying biology at Santa Barbara, but dropped out after one year. She later returned to school to study painting and sculpting, attending at San Francisco State University for her undergrad degree and then studied screenwriting at the UCLA School of Theatre, Film and Television. 
And she's basically been making films since she was about 12 years old. And her love for film came around the same time she moved to America. So around sort of early 1980s. And she often speaks about just what a shock it was to move out there. Um, and then she connected, the, the best way that she connected to America was through the films that she would watch. How she assimilated and became American was through American pop culture and music, so like Madonna and Michael Jackson, and just through movies. Um, so I speak, I've spoken about A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um, it's described as the first Iranian vampire spaghetti western with elements of film noir and the restraint of Iranian new wave cinema. Um, the Bad Batch 2016, Amapur described her second film, an English language film, entitled The Bad Batch, as a post-apocalyptic cannibal love story set in Texas wasteland, where a muscle cannibal breaks, rule, breaks the rule, don't play with your food. It's Road Warrior meets Pretty in Pink with a dope soundtrack. And I have seen it. I just, I just Googled and I remember it now. Yeah, it came it's, out. It's so cool. Like, I, like the style, I see what you mean. Because I remember there not being that much, again, dialogue in that. Yeah, it's all very, very quiet. And a lot of it is just... It's the images you see and then just yeah. the the really rich pictures and rich colours in this one. Um, one I haven't seen is Mo- Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. And this is Armour third feature film um, starring uh, Jun Jong-seo and Kate Hudson. And the movie is described as a mind-bending yeah. adventure set in the humid, neon-lit streets of New Orleans inspired by adventure films of the 80s and 90s. The film follows a young girl with special abilities after escaping from an asylum... She enters back into the chaotic reality around her, making unexpected allies along the way. Uh, she's also... Do you, does anyone rem- remember Cliffhanger, the 90s film? Yes. She's yes. making a reboot of Lovely Cliffhanger. Um, a female-led reboot, and it also has Jason Momoa in it. But she's also written um, several short stories for television. She's written one for... Um, and I didn't even know this was a thing. Apparently, Jordan Peele did a version of The Twilight Zone. So she's written a episode of Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone and, again, written a um, episode for Cabinet of Curiosities, which is just absolutely brilliant. And then she's also done a graphic novel of um, or an e-comic series of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night as well. So she's really cool. She always uses really strong kind of leaning, leading ladies. She always turns stories on their head a bit and just her use of colour and imagery and just lack of dialogue I just absolutely love her she's great she's really cool she's really cool looking as well like if you look up at mine just really strong girl love her absolutely love her um so yeah what would you say have a watch of some of her stuff especially I think a girl walks home alone at night is really like it's almost one of the kind of old silent films of old Almost a kind of Nosferatu, but with a with a modern twist. How scary is it? Because I mean, I spent my twenties walking home alone at night. <laughs> Am I reliving it, or is there a monster in it too? Or is she the monster? Is the girl walking home Ooh. alone at night the threat? See what you know, That's oh, how right. she's kind of turning things on the head that. a little bit. It's. I wouldn't say it's it's super scary. I wouldn't say it's that scary at all. It's just a really stylized kind of classic looking horror film with a modern twist yeah and what do you think her perspective does that's different to uh, you know a woman doing this a male dominated industry i know there's a lot of men making movies so what's her perspective that you you like so much again it's a kind of um bait and twist sort of thing 
with Bad Batch, you would assume that Jason Momoa is the main character, and he is. He does take a big role, but actually the main character is this girl who's um, basically basically been kidnapped by a group of people who intend on eating her. <laughs> so they've uh, they've they've lopped a leg off. Yeah, that's how I remember. Yeah, I and, forgot it's how Keanu's in it. That's right. Like, yeah, I just crazy just DJ disguising like yeah, very like nonchalant. Oh, it's, it's Keanu Reeves in in it. Who? Mm-hmm. Keanu's Keanu in it, it and Jim Carrey as well. Oh, no, you're leg taking. <laughs> <laughs> stupid, so <Absolutely> stupid. <laughs> but yeah, check check out her films. They're really fun, um, and you don't have to listen either. Because there's not much to it. But yeah, absolutely love her. So, what do we have in terms of feedback this week? So, this week we asked our listeners to um, give us their favourite female antagonists and their reasons for choosing so. This is a favourite subject um... of mine because I'm always bringing up on, on modern escapism when we're talking about sort of females versus males in computer games and movies and stuff, you often see, um, cause people like the underdog people, you'll often get a female main character and you're rooting for them cause you always root for the underdog. But what you don't often see is a female antagonist, a woman, especially in games, a woman that's just bad for the sake of being bad. And that's what I want to hear about. Who's your favorite? So we've got a couple of responses this week. So first one coming from Zenos. Um, so Zenos says, the first character that springs to mind for female antagonist has to be Mother Brain from the Metroid games for me. She doesn't directly appear before the end of most games she's in, but she is the literal mastermind behind the space pirate forces plaguing the galaxy, whose Samus Aran has been sent to take down in the original Metroid and Super Metroid. I'd also like to mention Superior Saturday, Named Saturday itself titled Superior from Garth Nix's Keys to the Kingdom book series. She is directly or indirectly the cause of almost everything that happens in the series. Because with all the major antagonists representing one of the seven deadly sins, hers is Envy, and the ostensible big bad Lord Sunday is Pride, which has led him to isolate himself from all the others, meaning Saturday is the one doing all the actual planning for every plot in the series with tacit approval of Lord Sunday because he doesn't respond to her messages asking if he wants her to stop. She's an enormously powerful sorceress, the de facto head of the entire villain faction, probably the biggest actual threat in the series and driven entirely by the desire to prove she's better than everyone else. Strictly speaking, she's been manipulated into it by someone else, but the fact remains that she's the one making all the decisions. She popped into existence at the start of creation shortly after the architect, effectively God, who is also female, uh, and is probably the second oldest being in reality, but is intensely angry about the architect not selecting her as heir to the position, and instead making her, the architect that is, send Sunday the highest ranking of its trustees until a rightful heir is found. That sounds incredible. And going back to Metroid, actually, that's a really interesting one, because have you ever seen, did you ever play Metroid, especially the the older ones back in the day? Mm-mm. So Samus is a um, the female protagonist, but she, as far as I know, there's that she doesn't actually remove her helmet or her armor. Certainly in the older games, and it's very sort of clunky, unfeminine-looking armor as well. And you would have to know that she's a female character to know. 
So Metroid particularly is a really, really good shout. And um, second, we've got Fizzle. Fizzle! Um, so, Fizzle! So Fizzle. Um, so she's put female antagonist Alessa from Silent Hill and Ooh. her mother Dahlia. Yeah. Alessa has such a sad backstory, um, which um, Fizzle did put the link up to in the Discord. Um, so you could have a little read. Um, a child intended to birth a demon god, immolation by her mother and Alessa's attempts to stop paradise as perceived by the cult. Her mother wants to use her daughter to birth a demon god and will do anything to achieve this. The perception got from the game was very much that the cult was female-led rather than male-led. And to me at the time, that made me think about the concept of maternal instinct or protection and the overriding belief in cults and religions portrayed by Dahlia. Some very interesting backstory in that link. Mm. So you'll have to have a, have a little governor. That's incredible. But, um, yeah, but that's another... I, I love Silent Hill. I think it's awesome. But, um, but Fizzle brings up a, a really good point. And yeah. I remember when we chatted about it in the Discord, we said, well, Silent Hill came out a while ago. And actually, it was well before Me Too. It was before mm. we started to see women come into the forefront of sort of modern culture. Mm. So to actually have a female antagonist uh, at that time was, was huge. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really pay much attention to it at the time. But looking back now, that's a massive step forward. Absolutely. That's a really, um, really good shout. Uh, and then last minute Stig, so he managed to, to quickly shove, uh, shove a little uh, comment in here. <laughs> so he put, my favourite female antagonist is Cruella de Vil. Yes! Not only is, I think yes. she's good, not only is I'm she I'm surprised Stig female, said that. Yeah, I was too, I wasn't expecting that. I'm surprised, I love that. So he put, not only is she an amazing female antagonist, but also quite possibly the greatest Disney villain of all time, I agree. When I was a child, I actually found her quite frightening. Yeah. From the get-go, you know this is a bad woman. The way they introduce it is brilliant. Flying down the road in a massive car, <laughs> yeah. the horn loudly. With her eyes and going. Burst... Yeah, and devil yeah. on the front of the car on the number plate. Bursting into the house, bringing with his cigarette smoke, and then just banging past Nanny. She just has zero care for anything or anyone. She's drawn with a skeletal physique on pointed edges to make her look as unapproachable as possible. Mm-hmm. And in the scene where she gets furious road rage, they make her look like a literal demon. Yeah. She becomes more deranged and haggard as the film goes on, a vast difference from her confident and well-groomed intro. But it's not just her looks that are, are iconic, but also her voice. Betty Lou Gerson does such an amazing job of bringing to life this amazing, larger-than-life character. The way she talks, laughs, or gets angry is just so perfectly evil in every facet. But in, if the look and the voice weren't enough to convince you of her evilness, her actions will be. This woman lives for fear, which is bad enough in itself. But then you have to consider that she's quite happy to murder a load of newborn puppies in order to just have a new coat. <laughs> if that doesn't scream evil, then I don't know what does. As a character, she's blinded by her greed and selfishness. She doesn't care who she hurts in the process. And she does it in fabulous style. Yeah. She's a character that's just evil through and through from the get-go. And that's all we needed to know about her. We didn't need the sympathetic backstory film about her at all, mm. even if it was quite yeah. a film. Sometimes characters <laughs> can just be bad, and Corella was the perfect example of this. Truly an iconic antagonist. Absolutely. And I totally agree. Yeah. I love that Corella well Deville film, but um, we didn't need it. Nobody asked for it. No. it we was didn't need so it. She could just shot, be but, evil for yeah. being on. Oh, it was amazing. We did. We didn't need it. No. We didn't. I mean, the woman um, kills puppies. It, but... You know, she's bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you bringing that back? I didn't want to feel sorry for no. her. 
Is and they almost key? kind of they made the Dalmatians yeah. out to be the baddies for a second, didn't they? Like, oh, she got yeah. chased down by Dalmatians. Yeah. That doesn't mean you go back and kill them. But no, it was a really fun. It was a really beautifully shot film. I thought it was. Oh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just don't like this trend of sympathetic backstories. And I've spoken about that before. But yeah, just the look of. I think every Disney villain as well has that really long drawn like spindly kind of look to them. Um, in the face even and it's Scar, like the, grim, the lion mm. even Scar the lion even Hades and even actually Ursula as well even though she's like yeah. a, uh, she's a bigger curvy woman isn't she yeah like her, her face her mm. face the, is really uh, angular the bad guy in the Hunchback of Notre Dame how like Frodo yeah he, wait, oh Frodo that's it where he like sniffs um oh, scarf through his fingers as as the flame oh my, that is my favourite Disney film uh, favourite Disney um scene is him grippling with his desire to have, have it's horrible have it and cool. his desire to be righteous yeah. and i just love that scene so much i think cruella is such a good one as well because everyone actually knows a cruella don't they yeah like it's yes. a very relatable character that you've definitely come across in your life and almost you could almost accidentally become friends with them until you realize they're puppy murderers yeah, yes. she's, she's almost the Karen, isn't she? You know, it's, it's, it's all about her. She's a glam yeah. Karen. Yeah, it's all bang, 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 and <laughs> it's all about her. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good shout. She is a baddie. She's just bad. Yeah, that's what we like bad. with baddies. Bad to be bad. Don't, yeah. stop, get rid of the sympathetic backstories. We, we just like bad to mm-hmm. be bad. Give is that bad. it for like feedback? That That is it for feedback this week. Very good ones. Thank you. Yeah, that Thank takes us on then. Yeah, thank you for the feedback. That was absolutely incredible. So that takes us on then to just ask her, and what do we have for Auntie Jupiter this week? So we have um, uh, a suggestion um, from someone only known as C, the letter C, and they've got uh, just not very long one. And so it says, Hiya Jupiter, my long-term girlfriend has always had a problem with accepting gifts. I spent ages researching what she might like, I put loads of thought into it and I always think I've done a good job. But every year when it's her birthday or Christmas, she screws her face up and makes a big scene saying things like, you shouldn't have bothered. She really is a nice girl and I love her to bits. And it's only this that I have a problem with, but it's given me the ick vibes. What should I do? Oh, that doesn't sound very nice. At first when you started explaining that i thought what's captured written in about me <laughs> yeah i thought that too <laughs> call me out and the reason i say that is i'm not the best person to receive gifts now in this segment if i talk about myself it's my way of empathizing with the situation not making it about me i'm trying to pull from my own experience to understand and what i heard there was someone who the thing is with gift giving and especially when you've got um, an adult partner giving you gifts is sometimes gift giving can really pull up a lot of messed up stuff from our childhoods be it that you know getting it receiving a gift from your family when you were younger was always fraught with guilt or with disappointment because you either had parents who didn't really know you and didn't know what to get you or perhaps you were hyper aware of your family's financial situation and getting gifts from them was always a a minefield of being excited with whatever you can get, but navigating the disappointment that maybe you didn't get what your classmates are getting. So I would probably say 
perhaps a conversation with her, not anywhere near a time of giving, not anywhere near a time of where you think, oh, in a couple of months, I'll be giving her a present. I hope she'll remember this conversation. But actually understanding what her expectations are for her birthday or for Christmas. You know, what is she expecting from you? Is she expecting you to plan the day and take her out and make it an event? Or is she planning for you to stick to a list and and not be creative? Or does she want you to be creative? Everyone's different. Does she get embarrassed if you spend too much because she can't meet that same threshold? Or does her, are her expectations too high? And perhaps you're someone who grew up in a family where you wouldn't spend more than 50, 100 pound on a partner, but she's from a family that maybe spend 300 pound, you know? So getting the expectations and stuff uh, out there as well would be, a good opportunity a good conversation to have because at least then you're going in for what for armed but i think this is also an opportunity for you to say to her this is perceived you know whatever you're going through the way i'm receiving it is rude i spend a lot of time thinking about gifts for you i want to get something that either you will use or would make you feel special because that's essentially what we give gifts for is to make someone else feel good and feel like I know you and I've shown you that I know you through a gift that I think you would enjoy. That's what the point of a gift is. So she's screwing up her face. I have a question for C as well, and it might be something for them to ask themselves. Is, does your partner struggle with taking compliments as well? Do they feel like, Mm -hmm. do they have issues with feeling like they're being put on a pedestal? Because this may come from a feeling of lack of confidence from them. They're thinking, what have you know? What have I d- done to deserve such a wonderful gift? Maybe they truly do absolutely love it, but they're wondering why they feel like they deserve it. So it might be a case of that they're feeling a little bit self-conscious in themselves and like throwing it back. Like you, sh- you actually should not have done this. I don't, not necessarily. You know, maybe I don't deserve it myself, or I feel awkward accepting a gift because I don't feel, I don't feel confident enough to accept the compliment. That's a good point as well. I think, thinking back to the question, he did say that she screws her face up and says you shouldn't have bothered. I would probably ask if that is exactly what's happening or if it becomes an argument and then that's what she ends up saying, you shouldn't have bothered. Mm -hmm. It's sad that that happens because I imagine it puts an enormous amount of stress on you, see, because you want to make sure you get the right gift and, and hit this impossibly moving target in the dark because you don't know what she wants and you don't know what her expectations are so I think the first thing to do is to have that conversation with her at a time when you're probably both doing something I always find those really tricky awkward relationship conversations are best had when your hands are both busy so cooking cooking washing up something that distracts your body so that your brain can think about the conversation Car drives I always are good too, you're not looking at each other in the eye so it's a just it's a more relaxed oh. yes unless you tend to get road rage when you <laughs> <laughs> go into an argument like but I always I always find if one of you is washing up and one of you is drying up so your hands are full both of your hands With are knives. full conversations <laughs> conversations are easier to have um but it's definitely yeah. It, it it's 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 not it's not a nice way to no. live. Mm. I can totally understand mm. that. Um, but it, I would say be empathetic, because you don't know what kind of 
backstory she's got. She may have, and this this could be a possibility, she may have been in a relationship with someone who would shower her in gifts, uh, which sounds lovely, but that was their way of getting around ever having to apologise for their behaviour. I know plenty of women who are very uncomfortable with receiving generous gifts from their partners because they were in a relationship with someone who was very grumpy or very moody or would often ruin the day because they had a really foul mood and they just don't control their temper very well and then instead of saying sorry or addressing their issues they would throw money at the problem and shower them with gifts and that would make them feel very uncomfortable so i would have a conversation first mm. and, and see it's a lovely thing that you're doing but make sure you yeah make sure you pick your moment because you could be opening um a can of worms for her or at least you'll be poking at a bit of a tender spot for her and just be just sit and listen and and ask her don't say why are you behaving like this say what are your expectations what are your feelings leading up to your birthday are you anxious because you know an argument's coming are you excited and then you're you're let down because i've missed the mark figure out exactly what her feelings are leading up to on and after her birthday and you may start to figure out together how to overcome this because this is a problem for you as a couple to overcome together rather than something that's between you for you to battle against mm. good that's really good advice really good advice there thank you jupiter um as always following jupiter's advice may result in loss of taste and bankruptcy and on that note, we are... And the use of tactical tampons, which we will explain <laughs> another day. <laughs> I can't wait for that one. Candy's laughing because she knows exactly... I know exactly what you're talking about. Anyway, on that tactical tampon bombshell, we're done. Thank you to everyone for joining us and thank you to my wonderful co-hosts. Thank you for all feedback. And if you do want to get in contact with us, all the information is at modernescapism.co.uk or you can check our show notes. Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.